Thank you, Lord. God is so good, isn't he? And his plan and his purpose for you is good as well. God says that he works all things together, right? For good, those who love him are called according to his purpose. His plans are good. We don't understand them, but they are good. He has a plan and a purpose, and you are part of it. Thank you, Lord. I want to jump right into his word. And just want to go ahead and, and uh, continue what I was preaching last week. And we're going to open right away to the book of Luke, chapter 18, the book of Luke, chapter 18. And I just want to quickly review here in Luke 18 and verse 1, right? There was about this judge. Jesus says, I want you to, you should keep praying and never give up. Luke 18, 1 says, keep praying and never give up. Always pray and never give up. And he talks about a judge who is a worldly judge, right? He's a worldly judge. He doesn't care about God, doesn't care about people. But even he, if you nagged him enough, you could get a worldly judge to do what you've asked, right? Right? Who is a nagging child to their parent? Anybody ever nag their <laughs> parents until you get them to do what you ask them to do, right? Give you what you've asked them to give you. And so God says, that there's an unjust judge, but then he says, I'm the just judge. Come on, he's the just judge. And it says, verse 7, that even he, right, the unjust rendered, even he rendered a just decision in the end. It says, so don't you think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? So Luke 18 tells us to keep praying because that he is the just judge. He hears our case. He hears our prayers. In fact, he is waiting. We could look into the scriptures and see that God is even waiting for us. He is even looking for us to pray. God is actually waiting for us to call out to him. He tells us over and over and over again from Genesis to Revelation to seek him, to call out to him, to ask him, to pray to him. If we didn't need to do any of those things, he wouldn't have told us over and over and over again to do them, right? If God was going to save everyone himself, then he would have done it. But he tells us, to preach the gospel. There's such an action to his word, right? God is God. He cannot be changed. His throne cannot be moved. The devil's not going to win. He's not going to shake him, right? And there are many times it looks like he won, just like Jesus on the cross to, to Satan looked like temporarily that he won. For three days, Satan didn't understand. I don't know what was going on in the unseen world. Maybe it was instantaneous, but uh, the world at that time, uh, the Jews were rejoicing. And uh, three days later, suddenly Jesus is back on the scene, right? God didn't leave him there. He was raised from the dead. God had a plan and a purpose. And even when the devil uh, looked like he had won for a moment, he had lost in God's grand scheme, right? So, and so he tells us, even though there is a plan that is unstoppable, there is God's plan, in one respect, that Jesus was predestined, preordained, that Jesus was going to be. Meanwhile, Jesus goes into the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying for his own uh, life. Is there another way? But then he also tells the disciples, he says, pray. He tells the disciples, pray. And then he comes back and they're asleep. And he comes back to them again and says, pray. And they fall asleep again. 
tells them to pray and they fall asleep again, right? And he says, all right, there's no more time to pray because now's the time. Why did Jesus do that? If we didn't need to pray, why would Jesus keep coming back and tell them to pray? And he says, he does give us a little bit of comfort. He gives us both. Uh, he soothes us, but also pricks us at the same time in only way a God can, only a way that Jesus can do, right? That God can do, which is that he says to us, he says, the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, right? Which is, well, it's two-sided. He's showing us, okay, there is a weak flesh in you that holds back, right? You have to overcome that flesh, let the spirit what, you're going to have to trust that the Spirit of God uh, in you uh, is greater than you, and you have to just, even when you're tired and you're weak, right, and who has prayed in that time and actually seen God do amazing things. But he also comforts us in saying, I understand too. I understand that you're still in a human body. But nonetheless, tells us to keep praying. He keeps telling them and keeps telling us. So this parable here that he gives us in Luke 18, he says, I want to be sought after. And if you come, we need to believe God, right? We need to start believing him. That he said, if you'll pray to me, if you do it with a judge on earth, you're going to get him to do something for you. So imagine me in heaven. Imagine me in heaven. So, but then he asks a question. This is very interesting. And there's been many sermons over many years on this verse right here. Because he says, I tell you, verse 8, he will grant justice to them quickly. All right, who wants to believe the word today? Anybody here want to believe God's word? He tells us in Luke 18 that if you cry out to him day and night, he will not keep putting you off and he will grant you justice and quickly. God is actually looking for you to come to him, to call out to him, to seek him, to f and he is looking to be found. He's actually looking for you to come and find him. But he asks us a question in the second half of this verse, and that's where I want to just preach from today. But he says, but I, he says, I tell you, I'll grant them justice quickly. I have an answer in heaven for them. If they'll just come and they'll pray and they'll seek me, I have answers. I have an answer for you. Who has sought God and seen him come through in your life? Right, we all, that's like one of the pillars of our faith is that, is that, see, the thing about faith is that we haven't seen it all, right? We haven't seen Jesus in the flesh. We haven't seen heaven, but we have seen him do some things. And you can see this in the Old Testament too. They called them rocks of remembrance. And they would leave, they would build like a little pillar and they would leave a, something to remind them that, hey, God did something for us here. And then their children maybe one day are passing by and they go, what's this about? And you go, well, you know what? I'm glad that we're coming past this because my, my faith has been a little bit rocky recently and I kind of forgot that God's God. And I'm glad I'm seeing this rock of remembrance, this pillar, because it's reminding me that's right. God has done many things for me. God has actually been there in my hurt and in my pains and my weakness before. And it reminds me that he'll be there again. We should be reminded today, church. We need to be reminded and we need our faith stirred up today. You need your faith stirred up that actually Jesus told us to pray because he wants to grant us justice and he said he'll even do it quickly, which is amazing. Quickly is in his perspective, not ours. <laughs> but he said he'll be quick. If he's quick, he's quick. 
swift justice. But then he asked this question, which I'm trying to get to here. But when the Son of Man returns, will he? Right? The NLT uh, hands, uh, just puts this how many, which is not necessarily wrong, but more traditional. New King James is, will he find faith on the earth? And how many is just as valid, right? Because I pointed out, it was last week or the week before, that the portion of the world that actually believes in Jesus is like, if we were to measure it by this room, it's one of the fibers in this carpet. And that's so sad. That breaks the Father's heart. That's not something that we should, you know, be prideful about, that, you know, we're saved, but be so broken about that. And Jesus said it. He's like, I'm here in heaven. Even an earthly, wicked judge would move if you just kept asking him, and I'm here in heaven, and I'm willing, I want to help you. I want to do things in your life. Now, if we come and pray for him for a Ferrari every single day, he may give you a Prius because it'll fit the, your gas budget a little bit better. So sometimes he does answer our prayers, but we don't realize he answered our prayers too. Come on. Sometimes, actually, he's already answered them, and we're still praying, and he's like, what are you praying for? That's not actually good for you. you your foot is way too heavy, and you're going to kill yourself. And if you keep praying, and people have actually faithed themselves and prayed themselves into danger, too. That's a different sermon. Prayer is so powerful, you can even, you could, and that's, I'm not going there, because I'm not saying that's godly, but people have faithed themselves into danger, they really have, into maybe dangerous areas. Where finally God's, God, it opens. I don't know how that works, but things in the spirit world, they open. So, but but here's, the, here's what my point is, that he's literally saying, I want to help you. I want to do for you. I want to heal you. I want to bring you out of your bondage, out of your hurts. I want to save your friends and your family more than you do. Come to me and pray. Come and cry out for them, and I'll do it. But then Jesus says these sad words. But to be honest, guys, when I come back, it's going to be hard to find people doing this. That's really what this verse means. But when I come back, it's going to be hard to find this. I'm not going to find a lot of people really calling out to me. We have reached a day and age, actually, where we don't even need to ask God questions anymore. Who does what everybody else does in here? When you have a question, who do you ask? Right away. Recently, I was just talking with God, and I was working, and I was just minding my own business, and just working away, doing, you know, out normal work with my hands. You know, I wasn't really spending any intimate time with the Lord, but just working, and, uh, and uh, the Lord does these funny things sometimes with me. He says, would you like to know the Holy Spirit's name? I said, the Holy Spirit's name? He said, yeah, his name is Google. And it was such a wake up. It was obviously not Google for all the, her you know, one day, 100 years from now, I'd be like, did you hear that guy? Heresy. <laughs> his name is not Google. But we're so quick 
right? As soon as we have a question, we don't even ask God anymore. We ask Google. God is, is in heaven on his throne, and yet he is also in your heart, right? Through the blood of Jesus and through the Holy Spirit. And I swear, I wonder if, if they're just like looking at each other whistling sometimes, like they don't want anything to do with us. Does this, does my creation realize what they can have with me, that they can actually know me and talk to me and that I actually want to do for them? God loves us so much. Jesus loves you so, so, so much that he held back nothing. He held back nothing. He gave his own life for us. And I just started going through the word and started seeing that, wow, Jesus gave literally his very life, gave his life for you, shed his own blood for you. And he didn't need to do that. God did it because of his love for us, his love for us. And meanwhile, Jesus, if he could, he would do more for you. But there's really nothing else he can do. He's already done everything that could be done for you. And now we have a direct line to heaven. We have a direct line. We don't have to even go to the judge's bench and sit there and pound our fists on the bench and ask for justice. We can quickly and consistently, constantly just keep calling out to him. Right there in your heart, you don't have to go to a place. You don't have to go to a building. You don't have to go to Israel. You don't have to go climb a mountain somewhere to get higher. Right in your heart, all the time, is an open, the phone is literally sitting there, open, waiting for you to pick it up and talk to God. And you know, I started just thinking that not only are we not doing that enough, but the devil is on a full-on assault against his church. And, I, and because I live in this time, I want to say that it's now, but I, I haven't lived in other times. So as I really think about it, I think the devil's actually been on a full-on assault since Adam and Eve. It's really apparent now, but again, I wasn't in another generation, so maybe they would say the same, just with different tactics. It certainly seems and feels like from history that things have gotten worse, things have gotten darker, that the church is declining. I mean, if you just go to statistics, the church is declining faster than it's increasing. That's just simple math. And that was since I was a kid. Since I was a kid, I've heard those statistics that we are actually, the church is actually dying. You just can't see it yet because there's still people. And people are getting saved every day. 
new people are getting saved. But just as the population, you know, we're at 8 billion, right? For world population today, somewhere in that vicinity. We don't know the exact number, but somewhere around 8 billion. All right, when I was a kid, it was 7 billion and change. People die every single day. Every single second of every day, someone's dying. But there's more babies being born than are dying. So we are growing. Population is growing. In Christianity, even though people are getting saved, there are more people walking away or not getting saved than are getting saved. That's the time for the church to be the church. That's the time for believers to be believers. Jesus wants to help you in your personal life because he loves you. But to be honest, church, not that he won't, but he really wants you just to get over it. (laughs) Wow. He wants to help you so that then you can start being him on this earth. The church is really a picture of a baby becoming an adult, right? This is the Bible. The baby, right, you have to be born again, which means all your knowledge, all your wisdom, all that you know in this world dies, and you are reborn. You are a little tiny baby. No matter how old you are in the natural, you are a little baby, Babies don't know anything. Babies rely on mommy and daddy. Here's your milk. Here's your diaper. Just like the church. The church has to clean up your mess. The church is feeding you milk. And that's fine. That is the kingdom. And pastors should never, ever complain about that. And I'm not. And I'm not here to complain either. But the pastor would have a right, and this is not me, I'm just stating some things of the word, but I'm not, I just want you to be clear, and as I start to go down this road, this is not me. If a pastor, and we can't because we've only been in church for less than five years, but if a pastor has had an 18-year-old baby in the church who still wants you to change their diaper and give them milk, we've got a problem. We've got a problem, a big problem. Not only is God in heaven, not only is Jesus telling us, hey, listen, if you will pray to me, if you will call, I'm waiting to be found. I want to be found by you. And if you will call to me, I'll answer you. But just like a child, right? I love my children. They have zero responsibilities. They think they have responsibilities. They complain about the responsibilities, but they have no idea, right? Just like every child is then become an adult then you look back and you wish you had enjoyed it more because you realized how good you had it. What, you take out the garbage? Like I get home from work and if Elijah complains about having to do something, I just, well, you know what? I've been at work all day, but I'll do that short for you too. That's basically what you're telling me is that I had to go all day, but you're one chore. Like who's going to do it? If you don't do it, I have to do it. Someone's got to do it. But then one day you become an adult and you realize, wow, now I have responsibilities. Jesus wants to help you. He, it's like, listen, if that's the place you're in, you need to be there. 
I've said this from the pulpit before, but if you're in that growing place, then don't rush that process. You be there and you grow and let them change you, let them help you. But there's a point where you actually become Jesus. Now, I'm not saying you become God, okay? But Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And then he passed on that torch to the disciples. You are the light of the world. There's a point where you now are actually doing what Jesus did. I stand in the gap. And this does happen instantaneously in small ways, right? Even a little baby Christian start talking to their friends and their family about what's happening to them. They start encouraging each other. I mean, this you can go from baby to an adult very quickly too. How quickly, how much you want God. Sometimes, I mean, that can happen. I've seen it happen in months. But basically, Jesus is saying, I've done everything that can be done. I paid the ultimate price. There is no more price to be paid. The only thing you have to do is receive that. Just believe that. And when you truly believe it, then something begins to happen in you. If you truly did believe it and you believe his word, then something starts to change internally in you. And you actually want more and more of God. And you crave what the word says, the meat of the word. You ever met an adult baby? Listen, don't crave meat so that you can have muscles. Crave meat so that you can have the energy to go out and do what God's asked you to do. Adult babies, right? You ever seen those? They're 40-year-old bodybuilders. They still live in mom's basement or mom's, you know, the garage, the spot above the garage, right? They go to work, right? They go to the gym, you look really buff and cool, but like wearing clothes was 20 years old because that's when you should have been that guy. Now it's time to grow up. You can always date them. You always know what era they're from, like what era they were 20 by their clothes. <laughs> they haven't fully grown up. Come on, guys, we have to grow up. Listen, we need to crave his word, crave more of him. Listen, so that then we can do what he's asked us to do. And we want to be, right? A child hits a point where they want to please mom and dad. And the mom and dad, if you're a good parent, says, what's going to please me most is not you being good looking. What's going to please me the most is not how much you know. It's what you go and do. In this world, I'm talking from a worldly standard. I'm talking about a Christian believer. Listen, just for a moment, right? The worldly parent says, go and do something out in that world to make me proud. God is in heaven saying, I've done everything. In, and uh, for a baby, we can come to him and just cry to him. And he listens every time. But then to an adult, he actually has a little bit different tune that we need to look at this verse. We need to look here in chapter 18 when we get to this verse. But Jesus says, but my mature believers, where are they? Where are the mature? How come they're not standing in the gap and praying and believing and, and asking me to move? on behalf of their city, move on behalf of their family, move in that financial crisis. Listen, you can bring issues to God and don't feel bad about it. God is a big God. 
(laughs) I don't have time for it. It's another sermon, but you want to go check your motives of why you're praying, right? We have that in James. We have that in Peter. Check your motives while you're praying. What are you praying for? Are you praying to get out of a financial crisis or are you praying because this financial thing will benefit you so that you could have more time for you? Then maybe God doesn't answer those prayers so quickly because it's not even his will. But I can tell you right here and right now, his will is for your friends and your family to be saved. His will is not for you to willingly suffer. If you are suffering, it is only for one of two reasons. Either you slash the devil puts you in that place, or B, persecution. I know that that's tough. I know that's straight word. I know that's, that's sharp. If you are in a place that you put yourself in, then ask the Lord, repent, and ask the Lord to help you to get out. It's that simple. The devil's put you in a place, then go to your word and say, devil, you're not going to have me. And humble yourself before the Lord, as it says in Peter and James, and he will lift you up. Come on, the word, we're not, we're not doing what he's asked us to do so many times as believers, and then we're blaming God. We give God the bill. We come up with a deficit and say, here, God, here's, here's the bill. And he says, what are you doing sometimes? Why, haven't, why aren't you seeking me? Why aren't you praying? It's a simple thing. There is a suffering, which is not today's sermon too, but it must be noted. There are places in your life, there are hard times and hard places because the Lord is getting some things off of you. And there is some glory that he's going to bring out of your situation. And, and believers are still going through that today. That's not just the Bible of, of, in a book, but that's the Bible right here and right now, right? That can be persecution in Iran right now where it's physical and here in the U.S. where you try to stand up for Jesus and you may not be beheaded every time, although that has even happened here in the U.S., but they're going to try to behead you, right, uh, as far as your dignity goes and, and you just discount you and so on. And that part of the pressure is part of the pressure. I find an interesting character in our word. I mean, I just, I, I have so, so, so much here, and I, I, but uh, just I'm going to name some words to you because of the time, but, and, and you can listen, and then I encourage you to go listen uh, to these verses again and look them up and read them for yourself. Really start to soak his word in, believe his word, but he tells us to be alert. He tells us to be steadfast. He tells us to be firm, strong in our faith, to resist the devil, to pray, 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 pray again, never stop praying, Um, to be vigilant, to be persistent, to be persevering, to be uh, enduring, to set our eyes on the prize, to be awake, to guard our hearts, to watch therefore, and so on. And so on and so on and so on. And I have references for all those things. And you can actually, if you'd like to, you can come and see me for that list there as well. For sake of time, I want you just to think about this character, Timothy. Now, Paul tells Timothy, and I've been thinking about this verse all week. He says to Timothy in 1 Timothy He says, 
in chapter one, he says, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you based on the prophetic words about you earlier. May they help you fight well. Everybody say fight well in the Lord's battles. I love the book of Timothy because the other books are to the churches, but Timothy is directly to Timothy and not that he couldn't then apply it to his church as well. But I love this because it's a message, just like Jesus gave the disciples direct message and many of those words, actually most of that list I just read you was words that Jesus said to the disciples, all these things, which is all on us. He's like, I'm God, I'll do the cross, I'll provide the Holy Spirit. What else do you want me to do? That's pretty much it. That's pretty much everything. If we could understand in the spiritual world that there is nothing more that God can do as far as to, to put the devil in his place, to, to cut your sin, to redeem your time, to create a place for you in eternity. Do you realize in the spirit world that Jesus already did it all? And it's there just to be accessed for us. And I'm not teaching you some doctrine here today. You can access it for your own gain or your own benefit or for your own pleasure. You can, actually. As I said, and that's another sermon. You want to go into faith in those realms? Sometimes God gives it to you like he gave to Balaam. Sometimes he'll give you what you keep asking for. It doesn't mean that was God's best will for you, which is why I always ask the Lord and then I say thy will be done, just like Jesus did. Model him. So without that doctrine in this church, right, that it's for your own pleasure, you need to understand that Jesus provided everything that could be for you to have access to him, a clean heart, a pure heart, have the Holy Spirit to cleanse you, to reshape you, to make you, to put his will inside you, then to pray out what he's asking you to pray. And so he tells Timothy, listen, Timothy, I need to encourage you. You are a baby, and now you're out there. Come on, church, we're growing up, right? We're growing up. And if you're a baby in the kingdom, then be a baby. And don't rush that process, but grow. Keep growing. Keep wanting more. Keep, keep asking God for more, and he'll keep giving you more. Don't let anybody put a timeline on that either. You just keep growing. But Timothy was now grown, and he tells him just quickly, some, just a few verses here to encourage you. He says, listen, my son. Everybody say, my son. So he had raised him, so to speak, in the spirit, right? And he was a spiritual son. He had raised him, and he says, listen, Timothy, I'm going to tell you some things. I laid my hands on you. You were young, and there was... A uh, prophetic word over you, and there was a plan and a purpose that God had for you, and it was ignited in you, and you've been growing, and I'm telling you that if you listen to those words, he says, my instructions, and we're going to get into what those instructions are, they'll help you fight in the Lord's battles. Everybody say fight in the Lord's battles. What God is doing is raising up an army. Come on, we believe also that it's an end time army. I don't know, maybe it's not. But it's my end time. Come on, my time's gonna come to an end. So I wanna be enlisted in that army now. Come on, we need to stop. He, he, oh, I, I, sorry. I just have, I get going. I have so many different thoughts. I have to be careful. I go in too many directions at once. So I'm gonna stay focused. Stay focused, Adam. 
New King James says to, in verse 18, to wage the good warfare, verse 19, having faith. The NLT says, cling to your faith. So there's some instructions and they're going to help you fight and cling to your faith in Christ. Keep your conscience clear for some people have deliberately violated their consciences as a result their Everybody say this out loud. Their faith has been shipwrecked. That means they had faith once. Everybody say they had faith once, but now it's been shipwrecked. He says, Timothy, listen to me. I'm going to tell you a few things in these two letters to you. Listen, because some people violated their consciences. Some people didn't listen they didn't cling to their faith. They didn't listen to the instruction. Keep your conscience clear because some people haven't and they've actually shipwrecked their faith. Listen, as you were saved as a baby, you were born again as a baby, you have to keep growing and you will grow to this, the false stature of Jesus Christ. That's the word. That is not my opinion. That's the word of God. The place you should end up looking like is like Jesus. You don't set yourself up like him. You, know, you don't carry a cross around and be like, this is the cross I died on because you didn't. All right. You don't become Jesus of 2,000 years ago, Jesus. But in every other, when people look at you, they're confused because they say, I see you, but I just see God somehow. And that's the, it, it, it's the Bible says, Jesus said, in fact, let your light so shine before men that when they see your good works, they will glorify your father in heaven. They see you but they glorify God. That's the place we get to. We get to this place and he starts warning him in Timothy as I wanted to, to get to you today that if we are not tenacious and proactive about our faith, there was a people that in Timothy's time that shipwrecked. They shipwrecked. Their faith was shipwrecked. And so we, uh, I want you to move over to chapter six. That's in chapter one. So then chapter six he starts telling Timothy in verse 3, there's going to be some people that contradict our teaching, and there's many, many teachings out there. I don't want to go into that thing today, but there's many, many teachings that are opposed to Jesus that look, they think that they have Jesus like Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness, right? They think they have Jesus, but they don't have Jesus of the Bible, they have religion. They have something that sounds good. They have, they have something that uh, looks like church in the sense that they gather together. They sing songs. They do community things. And yet they don't have the Jesus of the Bible. His deity is gone. I'm not here to come against or, or to create some sort of false worldly word for hate. This the truth of the word here is that there were people that did it back then and they, they didn't stay true. They weren't tenacious. They didn't stay close to God, close to his word, close to the believers. They got off on their own, got off in their own thinking, started twisting and changing the word and started making it their own thing. And then before you know it, we have this foreign religion. But that has Jesus in it somewhere. Some people may contradict our teaching, but these are the wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ talking about the letter he just wrote him and some words right here previously, which we don't have time for. You can read Timothy to see what were the wholesome teachings, but it's right there for you to read. You have your Bible, Timothy. There was some teachings he gave him and reminded him of some things. And it says, these teachings 
promote a godly life. And then he goes on in verse 10 and he says, talks about some of the things that went wrong. One of the issues was, it says, verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced, everybody say, pierced themselves with many sorrows. So Timothy says, I want to encourage you, listen to the words that I've said to you before, and listen to the words I'm about to tell you in this letter, because they're going to help you to wage a good warfare. But it's key, you cling to your faith, that you hold on to your faith in Jesus Christ, and listen to what I'm going to tell you, because otherwise, you have the possibility, because it's not only has it already happened here as we're reading in the letter, and not only does he give us examples, but we should read this as it will happen again, and it's happening today. If we don't cling to the wholesome, to the full, to the Word of God, and let the Holy Spirit really bring that to life, right? Because that's key. We need to let that Word, it needs to come to life in us. It's not a rule book, but it is life within us. It's a living spring of water within us. It says, it says that some have even, because they li didn't listen, they have wandered. I just wanted to point today that there is this wandering. There is a, there is a shipwrecked. There is a way to, that they knew. Come on. They wandered. If you, how do you wander from where you weren't before? If you wandered, where were you before? Right? If I'm here and I wander from here to here, I've, I used to be somewhere else. All right? So they used to have the true faith and, and other things. Come on. Come on. Jesus told us this about the good soil, right? Come on. Right, church? Amen. That we have the tendency, if we're not, if we don't protect, come on, we have to be serious about this thing that God's done in us, this salvation within us. If we're not serious about it, there was a people, he, he warned, they shipwrecked and they wandered. But then he says in, in verse 11, he tells, them, he tells them to run. He says, run from these evil things. You're a man of God. Run. Pursue righteousness, a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Listen, you need to run. Run away from all those things, all the poles of this world, all the poles of other doctrines, even clever doctrines and clever things, and run to your word. Run to what I'm telling you. He says, verse 12, and this is the verse that I want to close with right here, and I have many, many more things I could get into, but he says, he says, fight. Everybody say, fight. fight. Come on, this is the moment to fight. You got to fight for your faith. If you don't fight for it, the devil is. Listen to me. The devil's already fighting you, whether you know it or not. You may not know it. I heard uh, there was a, uh, a boxer. I just heard, I don't even know his name, but I just heard him on the radio, and he had won like 70-something fights, never lost a fight. You guys probably know who he is in the sports world who know more than me. He never lost. And they asked him a simple question. They were like, how is that possible? And he's like, it's very simple. I do the same thing every fight. I just 
drink a lot of shakes, pump up my muscles, look tough, and come out and beat everybody. No, it's not what he said. You would lose. He's like, I do the same thing every single fight, every fight, no matter what the fight is. He's like, I watch videos for weeks before. I watch videos of my opponent. And I watch and I find their weakness. And I just wait. And I exploit their weakness. As soon as they show their weakness, I take them down. Never lost a fight. That's quite a career, 70-something fights in boxing. I'm not even a sports guy, but that's pretty unbelievable. Listen, the devil is watching you the same way. Come on, if you, wow. Come on, God is good, isn't he? We're making any sense today? The thing is, the problem is for me, I want to say so many things that I'm trying to be careful. I don't say too much stuff at once and get you guys everywhere. But this is what it says. It says, 1 Peter 5, 8, and I'll read it quickly, and I'm going to go back and close there. It says, stay alert. Everybody say, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking, right? He's looking for someone to devour. Verse 9, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. The New King James says, resist him steadfast in the faith. He's looking, and if you are flipping in your faith, he's going to take you down. I promise you that's the word of God, and that's what he warned in Timothy. Timothy warned it. They were pulled by their own weaknesses, and they wandered, and they shipwrecked. Every single person in this room has a weakness. I don't care who you are. I don't care your strengths that you have. You have a weakness, But don't be condemned by that and don't be ashamed by it. Instead, just give it to the Lord. It's very simple. He tells us how to resist the devil. Did you know that? Peter and James both tell us how. How do we do that? Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Humble yourself before the Lord first. Come on, we get into that place. What is that? What is humbling yourself before the Lord? That's the, literally, that is the central court of faith. That's what faith is. It's not faith that I have faith. It's faith that God is God. It's faith that God is greater. It's faith that God made me. He loves me, loved me so much that he gave Jesus for me. So he obviously doesn't want the devil doing this to me right now. And the only reason he would allow it is for his glory. So Lord, unless it's for your glory, this thing's got to go in Jesus' name. So in Timothy here, he says, fight the good fight, right? Because if we don't fight, you're getting taken down. He's fighting you. He's watching you. He's going to look for your weakness and he will exploit it. Who has seen the devil exploit your weakness so far in your faith? Right? Who has seen Jesus, right? When you humbled yourself, Jesus, man. You know, when we stand and fight, you don't have to raise a fist, This is the thing about fighting the devil. You don't have to be strong in your mind, strong in your body. So just be strong in faith. Well, what is strong in faith? You know who steps in the ring? It's more like the two-on-two. What do we call that? What do we call that in wrestling, right? Is it just tag team? Is that right? Yeah. It's like this. You ready? 
Okay, devil, hold on a second. I'm going to let Jesus take this fight. Come on, Jesus and the devil are no match. And I, I wish it were different. Come on, I could, try to, I could try to get up here and give you my opinion and give you a different word. Be like, man, if I created the world and if I was God, I would do it this way and do it that way. Instead of doing all that, because that's stupid, let's just understand his word. And this is his word. Jesus... It's tough to preach. I get it. I understand it. But it's tough because I don't want the devil to twist it. Jesus already did it on the cross. When we understand this, this is like, this is huge. Satan's already defeated on that cross. 2,000 years ago, he's already defeated. The only reason he has power in your life is because you're letting him. I know that's sharp. Jesus will not step in until I let him. <laughs> I know that that's like, that's super sharp. I know that's hard to believe. <sighs> fight the good fight of faith. You have to do it. Timothy, listen to me. You have to run. You have to pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. You, everybody say, I have to fight this good fight of faith. You have to fight. He said, Timothy, hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses that you obey this command without wavering then no one can find fault with you from now until our Lord Jesus comes again. No fault in you? No fault in you. If I will, without wavering, hold tightly to this eternal life, if I will stand and, and listen, when there's an issue in your life and there is someone that you've been asking the Lord to help you with and there is something in your life or around your life, and you ask Jesus, I've said this before, you don't worry about the timeline. You don't worry about how. You leave that to God. That's true faith. But you know that you know that you know. All I can do is humble myself before you, resist you, devil, and God's going to do the rest. That's all I can do, but we have to do that, Okay. That's today's sermon. We have to do that. Sometimes we think we are, but we're not. We're still trying to do it all in our strength and figure it all out and mind it all out. I don't want to add to it. That's that. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord. Jesus, you said, is there going to be anyone? Will there, will there be people? Will people finally come and begin to grab a hold of what I have for them? Will people in this day realize what I did on that cross? Will the people in this church realize that Satan is defeated and that they don't need to live in bondage or in fear or in worry or in pride or jealousy or envies or any of the things of the flesh the devil puts on them? Will they realize that we don't have to live 
that way. We don't have to be constantly pulled this way and that way by the world, but we can live in peace and in joy and in hope as the Holy Spirit promised us. Oh, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name today that we would grab a hold of you, Lord God, that we'd begin to seek you like we've never sought you before, that we'd begin to hold on to you, Lord God. And Lord Jesus, we're all reaching out our hands. It's tag team time. We're slapping your hand, Jesus, for you to come in, Lord, and get in this ring for us, Lord. Whatever the trial is, whatever the issue is, whatever way we've been burdened, whatever way we've been weighed down, whatever way the world's been pulling us and the devil's been winning, in Jesus' name, that's what we're doing when we say in the name of Jesus and we just put him in that ring. We humble ourselves, we step aside, and we let the Lord do it. And so, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, that you are going to, Lord, save our families and our friends around us. And Lord, our lives are not going to stay this way any longer, Lord. We are not going to carry yesterday any longer. We are not going to carry, Lord, the fruit of the devil any longer, but we're going to be fruit bearers of the kingdom in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen.